Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of the AJ Roberts Show. Today, I am joined, or we are joined, by a good friend of mine, ex-Royal Engineer and current world record holder, Mr. Stephen Green. How you doing, bro? Cheers, AJ. I'm very good, mate. Are you? Awesome, mate. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you on again. Obviously, uh, you came on the show back in the early days when we were talking about your transition from the military into being a property millionaire. Um, obviously, uh, since we did that episode, a lot's happened. Um, you're richer and uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and you've now uh, set a world record, which is unbelievable. So for the guys and girls who don't know what Steve's done, um, he's just set a world record for back-to-back Ironman distances. So um, where most people do a double Ironman, they'll do like uh, swim, swim, bike, bike, run, run. Steve's actually gone and done it all the way around again. So he's done swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, which has never been done before and did it with completely no rest. And what time is it you did it again, Steve? Uh, total time with, uh, from start to finish was 37 hours. 37 hours, guys. Um, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, can't go 12 hours without needing to get their head down. So can you imagine not going to sleep for 37 hours, but let alone moving constantly through water on a bike and running uh, all through the night, all through the day. Um, Steve, just uh, share with the audience, mate, like obviously your mindset would have been in a quite a unique place at the start of it because you knew what you put yourself up for. But was there a particular point in that sort of event where it just, you just absolutely hit a wall and it went from one extreme to the other? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a bit weird, to be honest, because uh, I, the, the skills that I have, uh, and I'm wearing my discipline top because that's my brand, there's, there's certain letters within this discipline model that I, I felt that I'd have, I'd have covered because of that. So the, the reason why um, I, my reason to stay motivated was my mum passed away why I was training for the for this event um, and I thought to myself I'll keep that in the back of my mind so I'm going to dedicate it to my mum so the motivators that I would use them sort of anchors them trigger points to uh, to fire me up when it got hard because I knew it was I, I was going to uh, hit points where it was hard I was unable to use them so I got to a point where I was so fatigued that I couldn't physically I was consciously trying to say, right, why am I doing it? And I couldn't even hold on to that thought of my mum. It was like as if it didn't mean anything. My body had just like, it had gone past it. It was just saying to me, I'm more asked about your mum. Just fucking stop in a nutshell. Um, and I remember the, the first bit that I felt it on was quite early on. So I did the first swim, did the 2.4 mile swim. And then I was about 70 mile into the bike ride and I started to feel quite tired. And I thought, wow, this is not good to be feeling this tired at, at this sort of point. Um, and I'd done further, I've done up to 130 mile in the training. And uh, I just thought, why is this like hitting me this hard already? And um, that kind of went. And then uh, I got through the bike got onto the run, I hit about the 18-mile point on the run and my Achilles started to hurt. Um, and then I just massively hit a wall. I just felt mega, mega tired. 
And the last probably three miles of that marathon coming towards the end of the first uh, Ironman, I was just literally gone. I was like thinking, how am I possibly going to be able to go do all this again now? Um, it was dark, it was cold, it was raining. And I knew I had to go back into the River Tees, which was in single figures. And um, I remember getting out of that minibus and it reminded me, mate, of when you're on exercise and you've got to get out the back of that wagon for that first time and it's uh, pissing down with rain. And, uh, did you open the uh, minibus doors? Mm. I was knackered, aching, and I just thought, wow, I'm about to go back into this river and do another full Ironman. And it was like one o'clock in the morning, um, pitch black, freezing in October. And I remember just that, that was the lowest point without a doubt, no question. And I remember going back down to the river and uh, ready to sort of get back in there. And I remember I, I looked up to the sky and it was kind of like uh, trying to motivate myself and my mum. And it was kind of like for somebody out there, uh, my mum, whatever, just give me a bit of strength. I need summit right now. And a shooting star, another engineer lad, Lee Simpson, uh, he was engineers, he's captain now, he, uh, he, he transferred. And, and he was with me, he was my swim coach. And this shooting star literally went above us and just lit up the whole sky. And I just thought, if that's not a sign, I don't know what it is. But anyway, I got in the river and I just thought, I just have to keep moving forward. And it was so cold as well, even the first swim on the first morning. Uh, was just really hard. It was really like deep into my bones. And uh, that, that second swim was just brutal. It took me an extra 30 minutes. So it was like two hours in total. Um, <clears throat> I got out of that and uh, <clears throat> they'd got it wrong where I was getting out and I had to climb through somebody's garden with all my kit. It was like <laughs> now three o'clock in the morning of summer got back on the minibus and I just literally all morale had gone. Um, I was just completely zapped. And then I still had another 112 to do on the bike and run another marathon. So I remember the bike actually wasn't too bad. The second one, I kind of just grinded that out. Um, I felt mega tired more than anything. Like I was going to fall asleep on my bike. That was my main concern. And then uh, I remember just getting out the back of that and, and then everyone going, oh, you've only got a marathon to do now. And it's kind of like, yeah, that's not really helping me right now. Um, and I actually, towards the end, I started to pick up again. Um, I hit a point where I picked up, but there was a lot of times in it where I was looking in the mirror and, and I actually said to myself, either you quit now and you wake up tomorrow and you're a quitter. Otherwise, you wake up and you've done a double Ironman and you've uh, potentially set a world record as well. Mm. And, and how, many, uh, how many calories did you consume in the event, roughly? I consumed uh, around 20,000. Uh, so I was, I was taking on board... Uh, <clears throat> I was taking on board 400 an hour. I had about 2,000 on the morning before I started... And then I was taking around 400 an hour for 37 hours. Wow. Which I think was like somewhere around about 20,000 calories. <laughs> Nearly 10 days worth of food during that event. Yeah, so it's so about uh, a weekend's worth of alcohol, like back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I did, which um, it hasn't really been talked about, to be honest, and uh, it's quite funny what, what I've done. I got to a point where I was about 
24. What was I on? I was on the I was on the run actually. No, I was on I was on the last run. So I would have been oh, I'd have been over 30 hours in at that point. Um and I was struggling to eat. I was I was then starting to struggle to get the 400 calories in an hour. And my stomach went mega, mega bloated, just like felt like really horrible and like dead sluggish. And for about three hours, I wasn't consuming my 400 and my coach and the guys that were looking after my nutrition were kind of going, look, you're down again. You've only had 280 or something at this hour. Um, so about three hours on the bounce, I was down and I, I, I literally couldn't eat at all. I was just by then I was just sick. I thought I actually thought to myself, if I never have to eat ever again in my life, um, I'll be happy with that at that time. And then all of a sudden, um, I just felt this hunger. So I was on the run. I had about 10 miles to go. And then all of a sudden, I just went massively starving, like hungry than I've ever been in my life. And I went, I need Chinese now. I need Chinese. And they were like, are you serious? And I went, yeah, I want chicken balls now. <clears throat> and I literally, the, the coach passed the message to the lads because I had a fairly decent support team. And they came back here and spoke to Gemma and went, He's, he wants Chinese, he wants chicken balls and chips. And uh, they literally brought them out on the route and uh, started handing me these chicken balls and chips and I was just just shotting them down. Just, uh, yeah, I was just starving. Um, obviously, you're burning off a serious amount of calories. And uh, I mean, it was great that you had such good support team there and I was following a lot of it on uh, social media. It was, it was really, really good. And, um, you know, to often to do crazy events like this and stuff that really takes you know it's very unique and, and it takes a special kind of person and mindset to be able to achieve something like that but you know did you put a lot of it down to having such a, a good team around you yeah the, the team absolutely helped um you've got you've got to have the right people around you in all areas of life i don't care what you're doing if you want to move on you want to succeed in, in whatever area business property uh hobbies uh, setting targets you need to have the right people around you so it was essential I picked the right lads um, I leaned on a couple of army lads um, which was good for me because I knew that they'd have that they wouldn't have sympathy for me they'd give me that kick up the arse when I needed it um, but they'd also be well planned and they'd, they'd execute as I needed them to um, I remember coming in on the the second marathon and uh, I had quite a bad blister and just the speed that they sorted it out, came straight in, bang, popped it, squeezed the blood out, taped it up, bang, out you go. And it was just like, there was no sort of panic or anything. It was just like, yeah, yeah, like bang, dealt with and, and out I went. And you need that. You, you don't want to be thinking about them sort of things. So um, they were literally controlling my pace, telling me when to slow down, telling me how much I needed to eat. Right, you've, you've only had X amount of calories this hour. There's that to make up. Um, they just took everything out of the way for me, uh, even towards the end where I was just crossing roads and I was that, I was that tired that they got lads in markers and they were just marking the road off of me. So when I wanted to just cut the road and stuff like that, they were just they were prepared for it and um, literally just took all of the thinking away for me and just just do your thing. Man, that is that is really really amazing, mate. And the team itself, did they um, did they kind of stagger it? Did they? Because obviously it's a day and a half. Um, obviously, were they were they were they joining you the whole time, or was it kind of like we were practically all on it for the whole time? <clears throat> so um, the I told uh, one of them, uh, one of the guys, he was driving. Uh, so 
for safety, we just said, look, go get your head down for a couple of hours. Uh, I think he had about three hours sleep or something like that. Uh, and then he swapped over with his partner. Um, and then uh, our coach, Ronnie, uh, we told him to go get his head down for a bit when I was on the second bike ride. And he didn't want to. But uh, we just said, look, in order for us to, uh, for you guys to be switched on and stuff, we need it. So they, they probably had about three hours, which wasn't a lot because it was in the best part of a, a day and a half. So we started that morning. We got up at four o'clock in the morning. Um, they probably went to bed around about 28 hours. And then after getting up and then had about three hours sleep. Wow. And uh, obviously since then, the documentary's come out about it and it's been uh, up for five awards, isn't it? So um, what, what yeah. awards is that for? Uh, they're all ones that we, uh, so our, our marketing team sent them off to a series of um, uh, like film fests and stuff like that, that great documentary. So you can basically send them off, you pay a fee to do it and there then watch the, watch the documentary. Um, most never get past the first stage because obviously there's hundreds of thousands of these different people making documentaries and stuff and sending them in. Mm. Um and we've, we sent it off to a, a, probably about 10 different ones, 10 of the main ones, um, and five of them have, have come back already um, and have officially selected it for the next round, um, which is just crazy. Um, just, yeah, weren't, wasn't expecting that at all. No, it's good. And I think it's, uh, it's great to just add that to the, the amount of effort that, has gone in from not just yourself, the training and everything that was led up to it, because that's like phenomenal. Um, uh, but you know the amount of effort and and work your teams put in, and you know obviously I I, I know you. Uh, I met a lot of the, the guys when I was up at one of your you know your property courses and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's uh, it's great to see a good uh, team of SMEs around around it because like you're saying you, you do need that often and it's it, I think it's a, a credit to them as well that you know that, that that documentary's got to where it's got to and up for five awards yeah. is pretty, pretty amazing yeah he does a <clears throat> you obviously met Dean when you came up he, he does a great job um uh, and he was out as well so like how our guys recording uh that they, they stayed up all night like literally just they just followed us the full event mm. um the effort all around was just uh uh, and my dad as well, having 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 an illness, having COVID, um, really ill, and, and coming out on his bike and doing 160 odd mile at 65 year old. <laughs> That's unreal, mate. Yeah, it's just just exactly probably exactly what you needed as well. Like you know, when you start hitting those walls and that. Um, yeah. If if anyone's going to give you a, an extra kick at the arse, going to be your old man, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um. So. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about as well, obviously, um, I, I thought it was awesome. Like the the first day you do on your courses, when you talk deep about mindset and stuff like that, uh, and it's a lot of it you can you can apply to pretty much any point in your life, really. Not just like trying to create a pro- property portfolio. Um, you know, whether you're, it doesn't really matter what sector you're in, you can you know it's it's learning it and actually the application, which means more than anything, isn't it? Um, with uh, Obviously, the mindset you've got right now, and to be able to do that kind of event is pretty unique. Guy, like it takes you know, it takes a lot of hardships, um, a lot of self determination, and everything you know, and often to go through things to to be able to take you to that, those next levels. But 
scaling that back a bit, like what would you what what would you recommend to people, uh, especially in a period like now, where a lot of people are going through a lot of shit with like COVID and stuff like that. A lot of people's businesses are you know being pulled out from under their knees almost. Um, what would you recommend to them in terms of mindset, like right now, as in like the first first things to probably look at to create a more robust mindset to get out of the position they're in now? Yeah, good question. Um, <clears throat> so I believe in life, we all have an equal amount of uh, <clears throat> opportunity and problem. And um, we don't, you'll never think about a problem that you've solved. So i.e. tying your shoelaces and stuff like that. You've, you've learned to get over that problem. So you no longer think of that. You also don't think of problems that, or you won't try and solve problems that are way above your head. So you might get upset if you see world hunger. You might see kids starving and thinking that's a real shame, but you're probably not going to attempt to uh, to solve it because it's 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 above your head and you in your the beliefs you have is that's above me trying to solve something at that level. Mm. You can obviously do your little bit and you know you're doing charities and things like that, but as, in terms of solving a problem, so. First of all, it's understanding we only try, we only have problems that are within our reach. And they're usually the problems that are just one step in front of us, the, the things that are there that we're capable of solving. And as Albert Einstein says, can't solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. So we need to increase that level of thinking. So I would say, wherever people are right now, don't think about anybody else, just think about your own situation. And what's that problem that you've got? Because if you wish your problems away, you're never, ever going to get better. So that problem's there. It's telling you, Summer, that that's the limit of your capacity and your thinking. So in order to get around that particular problem, we need to be able to think bigger or more creatively um, or have a different approach for it. So... When we solve a problem as well, by default, we create another one. We have to. That's, um, that's the way things work. You'll automatically, now you get past that ceiling, and now, now we've got the next ceiling to get past. <clears throat> it's the same with opportunity as well. So if somebody moves away from summer, so if they try to retract from the problem and, and try to hide from it, let's say, for example, it's tying your shoelaces, and you go, right, I, I can't do that. I'm just not going to attempt it. The repercussion of that is you trip over your laces, for example. So you're always going to have a problem, whether you're going forwards or you're going backwards. <clears throat> the ceiling alive has closed down on you, and you've got a problem now at a lower level, i.e. tripping over your shoelaces, or you learn to get over that problem, and you'll create a problem at a higher level. So our problems aren't going away. So I think by accepting them is, uh, is key, is the first step of going, okay, it's here. I don't uh, want this particular situation, but I've created it with my uh, past decisions have took me to this particular point. So accepting it first and then looking how we can solve it and not judging other people. So it doesn't matter where anybody else is. We're only in the race against ourselves. So I don't care if people are behind me, in front of me, whatever. I'm just playing against myself. I just need to know what's the next thing that stops me, what's my next hurdle, and what do I need to do to get around it? 
Yeah, and it's um, you know when we talk about zones of operations, and it's, it's something I talk about with like my, my own coaching clients quite quite a lot. Um, you know, obviously we, we we all live in this comfort zone of some sort yeah. at some point, don't we? Uh, and it's whether people are you know willing to take themselves into that stretch zone, isn't it? Yeah, um, stay there for a little bit until until we can actually sustain it and build it, and then that becomes your new comfort zone, doesn't it? And then it's yeah. taking the stretch zone. Absolutely. Back. Um, and it's just it's just getting people to like to understand that a little bit because it, it can then become their new normal. And I think that's why so many people like don't progress or they go backwards, so to speak. Um, uh, and not just not just because they don't surround themselves with the right people and the influences and the environments. Uh, it's because they're just not willing to just uh, be a bit curious and take themselves <laughs> into that, that that little bit of a stretch period for just a little bit where it's outside their comfort zone. Yeah. Because as you know, as, as the old saying goes, that's where growth is, isn't it? Absolutely. <clears throat> and we should be searching for that. You should you should be looking for that. Um, if you solve summer, and this is why for me goals are so important because they're going to stretch you. That's what goals do. Um, you're taking yourself from current situation to where you want to be. Uh, and a known mentor of mine always said to me that your goals should excite you and scare you in equal measures. Hmm. And that, that's how I, uh, I've always adopted that from an old coach who told me that. And uh, in, in terms of coaching, uh, are you doing much coaching now yourself? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, so in terms of uh, property and mindset, I have a, a series of groups uh, that I coach people on, uh, do one-to-ones with my high-end clients. And I also have coaches as well as, as well as so I think it's it's massively important to, to get around people who are already doing it uh, and who can help you who can stretch you who can uh, mentor you to that next level so uh, I'm always mentoring and coaching people um, who want to come up and I'm always looking to work with people who are going to pull me up as well yeah absolutely uh, I've got my own coach and it's uh, it's made a massive difference in in my own in business and how I uh, or where I've kind of taken it from like yeah. where I was before because I was kind of at that point as well where um, I was like right I've got coaching clients um, I'm doing x y and z with them you know what do I need to do to take to the next stage and continue you know to grow myself but also to you know help all my clients grow at the same time as well rather than yeah. just being uh, not winging it but just like uh, it's all about that that journey isn't it and I think as coaches, um, the wider audience, you know, like to see people have a personal development journey themselves, don't they? Rather than yeah. just someone who's got a qualification or or something like that. As, as we all well know, like the uh, the experience and and what you can do for that person, solving a problem for that person, yeah, um, it, it is is key. And I think, yeah, for me, having a coach, and I'll always have coaches and mentors to, to, to the day I'm not on this this planet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, because I think it's easy as well. When when we think we know summer, that's when you can easily get caught out. So for me, I, I was a PTI in the Army. I've got civilian qualifications as a PTI. I've trained all my life. I understand nutrition. I understand the body. But I don't do that all day, every day. Mm. So could I have wrote myself a decent nutrition program, a decent program? Absolutely. Was it going to be as good as somebody who does this day in, day out? No, it wasn't. And that's the reason why um, I went to someone to write that diet, to write the training program, 
um, and to advise me on what kit to wear and, and, and stuff like that because uh, somebody who specialises in it is always going to be better than somebody who's sort of dabbling in it and, and knows a fair bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, uh, uh, I know a lot of videographers and uh, photographers and stuff like that. Same with like Dean and all the marketing stuff that he does. You know, you could put about 600 hours on YouTube on how to make the perfect video, yeah. um, but you'll still get him to do it for you. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's just, that, yeah. That's how we operate, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. an arm thing. Um, you know, I could, I could watch hours and hours of videos of how to make the perfect website, but I'm still going to go to someone to build my website. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's just that shortcut to success. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I've learned now because I'd done property myself. I didn't have a mentor, so I'd done it the hard way. I'd never heard about coaches and mentors. Um, it seems to be a lot more popular. I don't know if that's because of uh, social media now, but if I'd have had a coach or a mentor 10 years before I did, um, I would just be so much further ahead now. Um, just crazy. So because I made that mistake in property, yes, okay, I've done well in property and it took me probably the best part of 10 years to start getting that strategy really nailed. Um, I'm teaching people that now, that within two to three years uh, are doing more than what I was in 12 years. And, that, and that's just proof of how, how much time you can skip. So I've kind of looked at it and went, okay, I made that mistake in property. I won't do it again in any other area. So that's why now if I'm doing any training physically, uh, business, marketing, sales, I want, I want the best person I can possibly find to show me exactly what I need to do rather than me guess. I want them to say, don't do that, that hurts, or that'll cause you that problem. Do that rather than trying to find it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you're saying, you know, we've spoken about it many times before. It's uh, you made all those mistakes, didn't you? Uh, you know, you hit all yeah. those balls and uh, we're literally, you know, at the point of broke, like, is this the right thing to do? Am I, you know, am I ever going to succeed in this kind of thing? Made every mistake in the book. But I think uh, like any good mentor or coach and that, you kind of amalgamate every mistake and failure you've made, package it up to say like, right, this isn't what not to do and to yeah. avoid doing this, this you do this. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, and that's why in other areas of my life, I'm getting results a lot quicker because I've got the right people. One thing that sticks in my mind is when I've done the swim element of that event, <clears throat> um, not the actual event, so building up to it. So I went to Turkey, had a few weeks on holiday, came back, um, I'd been swimming 2.4 mile. I was doing it easy. I was comfortable with it. I only had a 1.2 mile swim to do. I got in the water and I was like, I just don't feel the same. And I thought, this feels mega cold. I was trying to swim. I just couldn't swim, couldn't get my breath, didn't know why. And I'm not the kind of person that quits. And my swim coach, Lee, was like going, what's wrong? And I was like, just give me a, give me a few minutes, mate. So I was like trying to like compose myself. He was like, right, are you ready to go? I was like, yeah, let's go. And I wasn't swimming any more than 10 metres and having to stop again. And he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't breathe. I can't get any oxygen in at all. So we ended up canning the session and, and, and left. And, and, and Lee kind of said to me, he said, you've just had cold water shock. And him and Ronnie, the head coach, both of them, they were not phased at all. I was mega phased by that. I was like, 
wow, I've got a problem here now that I've, I've overlooked. I've been complacent with the swim. I thought I had this nailed. I've got a real issue now. And, and both of them were like, you've just had a bit of cold water shock. You've just been to Turkey, 40-odd degrees, and you've just come back and the temperature's dropped off a lot. Um, you'll be fine. I've got no concern. I was like, no, no, I need to be in the water a lot more. I need to double up my swims. And they were like, you don't. You don't need to do anything. And when I seen my training program the week after, it didn't have any swims in at all. And I was like, why not? I need to not, not, I normally have two swims in. I need to be doing at least four to, to get over this. And they were like, you don't just need to chill for a bit. You'll be fine. And they were dead relaxed. And I thought, the being blase about this. I've like, I couldn't swim more than 10 meters. And when I went back in next time, um, I swam 2.4 mile with no issue. And that's their experience to be able to go. I expected that to happen at some point. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, you see, we, we see it, uh, well, those who appreciate it, uh, week in, week out, when you watch uh, Premier League football, for example, uh, or Champions League football, the, the level that players are playing at and the differences of uh, that fraction of like bit of speed and stuff like that, because people in the background, the sports scientists, nutritionists, the um, strength and conditioning coaches, like all that kind of stuff, like, you know, their level of like intuition, yeah. what they inject into the game is like phenomenal. <laughs> Uh, and so the biggest clubs will be wanting to recruit the best in those areas, won't they? Just the same as like, yeah. like, like you just said then, you want the best people around you as possible uh, to lift you up and help you win in areas that you're just, you know, not a girl at. Yeah. Now, I always, what always sticks in my head is um, I, I remember reading Summer. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I read it or I watched it. And it was quite a long time back now. And it was uh, Rio Ferdinand and, and Wayne Rooney had commented on it. And it was about Cristiano Ronaldo when he, he was at Man United. And when he, when he really hit his peak and he was like just scoring goals for fun, absolute on top form. And Rio Ferdinand talked in about when he went round at Cristiano's house and he was kind of like, who's all these people? Yeah, I remember. Um, and he had some like six people living in his house and he's like, oh, that's my chef, that's my masseuse, that's my... Um, just completely not thinking about cleaning my car, nothing at all, just pure focused on my football, my diet, my nutrition, my, 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 my yeah, massage, my physio and all that. The whole lot just taken care of. And I, I remember Rio Ferdinand saying, like, that's what made me realise, like, this is why this guy's at the top, because he's just, like, he's just operating at a different level of what us lot are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I think there's a great message there that you can take into so many areas of life, isn't it? Whether it be business um, or, even you know, even if you're in corporate and, you know, stuff like that, and you're just looking to take things to the next level, you need, you've got to surround yourself with... Uh, with people that are, you know, I've doing it better than you, or have done it to a high level, uh, and and learn from them. Yeah, absolutely crucial, crucial. Um, and I, I talk about it quite a lot in like my own like Facebook groups, uh, or when I when I, I do podcasts, um, and, and even my coaching clients and that as well. Is that like you know one of the reasons why you get a coach is to help you take yourself to that next level because they're either doing it or have done it. Um, you know, and that's the first step. And, you know, more and more people need to realise that, um, especially going into 2021, when we're in a very much a different era, sort of in world than we were at the start of 2020. Um, 
And I say that like heartedly. I think a lot, the world was very shit for a lot of people at the start of 2020. And I think yeah. it just elevated a little bit because of like the whole media presence with uh, with COVID and stuff like that. But um, I think if people are going to really try and uh, have a better year 2021, I think one of the first things they need to do is like look at their environment straight away. Yeah, absolutely. So important um, who you've got around you. Like you said, it's... Uh... There's that old saying, isn't there, that you come an average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I, I do truly believe that. It's, um, for me, when I went into a mastermind group for the first time, my results literally just, they, they were just like that. Um, it was just crazy. Mm. Yeah. And um, on that note, obviously, uh, with, with your results and that, uh, I believe you're going to uh, test yourself that little bit further. And I've uh, got yeah. this record in the bag. And uh, you're going to try and outdo your own record, uh, literally by twice. Yes, I am. I, I am. Um, I'm not going to do it the same way, though. I am making it a little bit easier for myself. Um, so bit. rather than uh, doing uh, finish one, start one, two, start one, three, start one, four, I'm going to do it where I do swim, swim, bike, bike, run, run. And then I'll start the whole lot again. So I think it's uh, I think it's 560 mile, uh, which is uh, Newcastle or London and back. <laughs> yeah, that's mental, absolutely mental. Uh, and I think for the um, the viewers and uh, uh, listeners outside the UK, that is pretty. It's not far off the actual full length of the UK, isn't it? Um, yeah, I would say I would say it's uh, it's not a million miles off here, yeah. um, from top to bottom. Yeah, wow, that's unreal, mate. Unreal. And uh, what's uh, are you going to raise money for the same charity again, or are you going to do it for something else? I'll probably do something something different. I think I might do something for the army. Thinking of maybe I might do I don't know something for help for heroes or something like that. I might split it. Um, yeah. I just want to raise the game all round. So last time I raised twenty seven grand which uh, was obviously a great amount. But I think I can raise 100 grand on the next one. Um, and that, that's going to be my target, 100 grand. And I, I've got an idea how I'm going to do it. It's going to require a few favours from uh, a few mates that are, uh, have got a bit of pulling power. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's going to be my approach. So you're going to not only try and double your world record of doing double back-to-back Ironman, you're going to, uh, what, four times the amount you've uh, raised in charity, charitable funds this year as well. It's a pretty uh, pretty strong effort, mate. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? No, knowing, knowing you and your mindset, like I've got no doubts whatsoever that you will uh, you will do your absolute best to do it and, you know, very, very likely complete it. Yeah, it's just um, injury is going to be the biggest thing. Uh, that's always going to be the challenge because I did pick up injuries doing that. I'm still suffering now and it's six weeks on. Um, so always, that, that's uh, going to be the biggest challenge. You could, you, you could always uh, speak to old David Goggins and ask him what tape he used to tape his legs up like he did in Navy SEAL training. I read, yeah. I read that in his book and that is like he had stress fractures in his shins and that. So he just literally taped his socks and his boots to his actual legs to get him through. Like, unbelievable. Really? Yeah. Um, Steve, it's been awesome to have you back on, mate, and for you to share such a fantastic story of um, not just creating a slightly bit of better mindset, but um, literally taking, you know, true grit, determination, 
uh, and a robust mindset to you know an astronomical level. Um, I was keen to get you on to share you know how you felt during your event and you know what levels uh, of your mindset you you took yourself to and what what sort of levels you took your body to because you know we, you hear it quite often from specialists and stuff like that that we we uh, we think our body's given up far far earlier than uh, than our actual it's capable of and, and our mindset is what's uh, is what allows us to quit um so i think that event in yourself like in the journey you did leading up to it was like absolutely amazing and i, I can see firsthand myself on social media like all the inspiration it's given to so many people around you because so many of your team and that are suddenly getting out there they're running they're setting themselves targets uh you've got guys that are like haven't run in years like like testing themselves with marathons and all sorts haven't you like it's so it's yeah really mate. no it's gone crazy it really has um it's just that inspiration off the back where it's done for other people as uh it has been really good all around definitely yeah well um, mate thanks again for taking the time out to come on the show today um i'll uh no doubt we'll be you know we'll be catching up soon on uh when you start your training and that for your, for your next event i'm uh, looking forward to that but guys and girls, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and listening to Stephen Green's f- phenomenal story there of uh, breaking a world record recently and um, just the level of you know determination and, and grit that not not just he's added to uh, himself to get himself over the line, but he shared so many good nuggets there that you can take away that you can apply to your own life, um, whether that be in sort of business, education, um, the workplace, family life. Um, we're all going through some kind of uh, dip, more difficult time at the minute. So I think um, a lot of the stuff that Steve said there, you know, take it on board, use it in your own life, surround yourselves with people that want to lift you up, want to see you win um, and take you to the next level. Find a coach, find a mentor. Okay. Get out there and, um, and, and just surround yourself by people that are positive, want to have a positive influence on you, especially going into the new year. Um, and as Steve was saying, like set goals, set fucking big goals, uh, and you know become the person you need to be to actually achieve them um but for me and steve guys until next time take care